We honor you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Cindy. Um, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, I feel like, you know, that that term is okay to say up until like three days uh, into the new year. So uh, I feel confident and comfortable saying Happy New Year. Uh, I'd like to take this time to welcome each and every one of you to worship and to you online. Thank you so much. We're so excited to see each and every one of you here. My name is Tim Thompson, and I'm the youth pastor here. And I've been here for about, thank you, I've been here for uh, since May of 2021, so about roughly six or seven months. And I've very much enjoyed my time here so far. Uh, So before I get into it, I do want to take some time to introduce myself. I know a lot of you, some of you may not know me uh, as well, and so I just want to take this time to uh, have you guys get to know me and, you know, a little bit about my story. So I actually moved down here from the Chicago area, so this weather is like nothing. This is like a normal day in Chicago, so I, I woke up and I saw there were snow flurries, and I was like, oh, sweet, this is good, feels a little bit like... Um, back where I was a youth pastor before. I've been a youth pastor now for a little over eight years, um, and I'm actually from the Dallas area. I'm from Cedar Hill. And so this past December, you know, it was hot and unrealistically hot, to be honest. And I was like, man, I haven't felt 80 degrees in December since, like, I don't know, since I was younger. And so, of course, you know, me being from here, it wasn't uh, that big a deal. But I will encourage you to try to get to know me because I am a, I'm in a very interesting stage of life. You know, making the big move down here uh, back home, and I'm also engaged. And as many of you saw on the rolling slides, Emily and I are actually going to have our shower here on January 29th. And we're getting married in, what, just six weeks? She actually knows the exact amount of days. Uh, I mean, not so much. I think it's like 46 or 47. It's February 20th, though. That's our wedding day. And so there's a lot of exciting things happening uh, in my life right now. But as we know, uh, this, uh, as we go into Epiphany, um, it's time to say goodbye. And... Uh, Uh, Next week, all the greens will magically be gone. You'll come in, and you just won't see them anymore. And because we're saying goodbye to the Christmas season, and Advent has come, and it's gone, and the uh, Christmas um, carols on uh, the radio stations, those will be gone too. And for some of us, we're like, yes, finally, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, I thought it would never end. Some of us, on the other hand, we actually enjoy those, and some of us are just kind of indifferent. But either way, it's a time to say goodbye. It's time to say goodbye to some of that access uh, weight that we gained over the Christmas break. So we all go and flood the gyms, right? And uh, I know for me in this season of life, um, I, I play a lot of golf. And I'm actually pretty, pretty good at golf. And for reference, uh, when John and I play, it takes him about 15 more shots on average per round uh, than it does me. So I'll let you guys sit with that. Um, Pastor John, love you. Get well soon. Um, but uh, for me, I'm playing, uh, it's, it's honestly going to be a time to say goodbye to my single life as I move into this new season. Um, and with that, I thought that 
I would still be able to play a lot of golf, but that just hasn't happened, unfortunately. And you would think, since I'm not playing as much golf, as golf is a very expensive hobby, you would think that I would have more money in my bank account, but I'm also saying goodbye to that as well uh, as we <laughs> move in. Um, and so uh, Emily and I, we were watching, uh, we were watching The Office, and the, there, there's this 12, uh, the 12 gifts of Christmas, 12 days of Christmas came, uh, where Andy was given Aaron the like these twelve like magnificent gifts and you know the song on the first day of Christmas my true love gave to me. There you go. All right, there was little there. You guys are a little slow, but you guys are coming on. Anyways, if you ever sit back and you actually think about how wild that song is, right? Think about how like just why is this dude giving his true love these extravagant gifts? And so I came up with three theories as to why this young man was giving his true love these gifts. Theory number one is maybe on Christmas Eve, on their candlelight service, uh, she says to him, you know what, honey, it'd be a really, really good idea for us to go and get each other 12 gifts for Christmas. And of course, him probably begrudgingly said, okay, yeah, man, I didn't really plan for this, but okay, we'll do it. Okay, that's theory number one. Theory number two, maybe this dude is just bad at gift giving. Right? To give someone 12 different gifts, and then, you know, he gives her the partridge in a pear tree, and she's like, yeah. And then, you know, by the end of it, she's like, okay, fine, yes, it's good, yes, fine, thank you, we're done, no more gifts. And so maybe, like, the, the percussion, whatever he gave her at the end, maybe that was, like, the, just the end of it. Or, and this is probably the most likely scenario, maybe he was in the doghouse. Maybe he said something or did something uh, or didn't do something that really upset her. And so he's in the doghouse, which is quite relatable for most of us. Right? I say most of us because I've been the perfect fiance. I have never messed up at all by any means. And Emily will tell you that. I'm just kidding. No. But we all understand this. We all may say something. We all may do something to our spouse or forget to do something that puts us in the doghouse. And so there's nothing like giving that great gift. And maybe his true love absolutely adores birds. That's why six out of the 12 gifts were birds or whatever. And uh, when we give like great gifts, a lot of things can be forgotten. There's a lot of forgiveness wrapped in, um, uh, wrapped in good gifts. And when we give good gifts, think about who we give like the best gifts to. It's our parents, it's our children, uh, grandparents, it's nieces and nephews, those people that we're close to, that we're around all the time, we give them the best gifts. And it's not necessarily the most expensive gifts, but it's the fact that we took time to think about these gifts, and we put effort into these gifts that were given. Versus those gifts that you get from, you know, your coworkers just during like an office Christmas party, and we're going through and just giving like everyone $15 gift cards to wherever, a place that we'll probably never go, right? Because the reality is there's not a whole lot of thought into those gifts. But good gifts can make, uh, can turn situations around. And good gifts take a lot of thought and effort. And we're going to look today at the three, well, the three wise men, the three kings, I prefer to call them the three magi, and how they gave the perfect gift. And we're also going to look at their motivation and what their motivation was in behind giving 
this gift. We pick it up in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now, before we can really even take a deep dive into our scripture, into our passage, uh, this one half of a verse, just this half of a verse, has so much to unpack. And it has lots unpacked because uh, the writer Matthew is telling us, hey, this isn't just a story that we tell our children. This isn't a story that we just, that's just around for us to fill our nativity sets. No, this actually happened. And in just as half a verse, we can see that this, uh, this time period, this happens, this goes on during the reign of King Herod. And uh, during this reign of King Herod, we see that there's so much going on. And we see that the Romans are trying to take over, they're trying to conquer Judea. Because they had conquered much of the known land back then. They hadn't, uh, they hadn't expanded all the way into Western Europe, but they, and they hadn't expanded all the way into Eastern Asia, but they did have a large chunk of the known world. And when you're trying to conquer, and when you're trying to um, uh, like, uh, conquer lands, what you're trying to do is you're trying to impose your culture. And we understand this. Right? It's like if we were to go to war with Canada and we uh, would lose and they would um, force us to eat poutine and they would force us to say A every five words, right? There would be a lot of tension going on here in Texas uh, and there's a, then just like there was a lot of tension going on in Judea at this time. And so King Herod, he was, he was politically savvy, but he was also a win at all costs. And so what he actually did for his people and to also keep the Roman Empire happy, he built a Jewish temple. And what this was, and he did this in order to keep kind of both sides calm. And we continue into Matthew 2. Uh, About that same time, wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We have come to worship him. So these three magi, they come from a long way, and they make this long trip. And I don't know about you, but whenever I take a trip that's over, you know, six hours by driving or by plane, there had better be payoff, right? If I'm going and taking a long trip, there needs to be a beach at the end of this trip, Right? There needs to be mountains at the end of this trip. There needs to be friends or family I have not seen in years for, in, us in order for us to take this trip. And boys are pay off when the Magi arrive. And we see their motivation. Right? We see their motivation into making this long distanced journey. And we see that their motivation is simply just to worship him. Their motivation is simply to be a part of God's bigger story. And they successfully did that because we're still talking about them 2,000 plus years later. But they wanted to be a part of God's bigger story. And honestly, for us as adults and as we grow older, it's harder for us to do because when we get older, we tend to lose our imagination. 
As we get older, things happen to us where it's, it's hard to, to dream big and to, and to imagine being a part of a bigger story because the world shrinks as we get older. We have to start providing for our family. So we have to go to work, and sometimes our job isn't the best. And we, uh, we lose friendships, and we lose family members. And so it gets harder and harder for us to dream big and imagine. And so when kids have these elaborate dreams and they have, uh, like, and, you know, they sometimes they sleep at the nightlight because anything you tell them, they can just imagine it and it becomes huge to them. As we get older, it's, that doesn't really happen with us. But these three magi, that wasn't the case with them. They still wanted to be a, a part of God's bigger story. We move on into Matthew Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? So as we can see, King Herod is really only interested in being the headline. He doesn't want to be a part of a bigger story. He wants to be a part of King Herod's story. He wants to be the headline. He wants to be the one trending. And it's, it's crazy to, to, to think about how King Herod really was, because King Herod, you would have to, when you were to be like one of his servants, or if you were his brother or sister, he would require you to like fly high enough to where you could impress him. But he didn't want you to fly too high to where you would threaten his throne. So you'd have to play this game of, okay, well, I want to do something really, really good, but I can't do it too good, right? And that's how it was being in King Herod's kingdom and being in Judea at this time. You see, no one was more important than him. And I understand that I'm, I'm kind of painting King Herod out to be this really, really bad guy or this person that it's like, oh, I would never become a person like that. But the reality is... Sometimes we are. And it's easy to become selfish. And it's easy to become uh, self-centered uh, at different times of our lives. And so as we continue to look at King Herod, we see he was extremely ruthless in his life. And he would kill off anyone who would threaten his throne. Verse 5 says, uh, in Bethlehem and Judea, they, they said... For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea and Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities in Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. So, of course, when King Herod asked this, when King Herod asked uh, this question, where shall the uh, child, where shall the king of the Jews be born? Of course, the prophets have a quick answer for them because prophecy is a big deal to them. You see, over the span of hundreds of thousands of years, uh, there are about 300 different uh, prophecies written about what was to come, right? About written about how the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. So, of course, they have an extremely quick answer for him. He will be born in a small town of Bethlehem. And really, up until this point, Bethlehem wasn't known for a whole lot, 
Bethlehem was literally just known for being the birthplace of King David. And we all understand this, right? We all understand, like, whenever we have to go to kind of a remote destination, uh, we see and we have to drive through these little small towns. And right at the very front, like, right where you enter into the small town, it always says, home of so-and-so. If they have anyone that is, like, a celebrity or of high significance, they'll always say, home of so-and-so as you enter into the town. And the small town, it's, it's, small towns really in Texas, they have uh, three or four things. They, well, number one, they have the little water tower, right? They have the name. Uh, number two, they always have like a speed cop to make sure you slow down, right? For all of like 300 people that live there, they make sure you slow down from 75 to 35. And of course, every small town has a Dairy Queen. Now, I'm not sure that Bethlehem had a Dairy Queen but, of course, it was a small town. Of course, if small towns, if they don't have anyone like that of significance that's from there, they'll say, hey, our girls won state in volleyball in 1955, and that's an accomplishment to them, right? Because a small town is only 300 people. But the, this child, this Christ king, will come from Bethlehem, which actually fulfills another prophecy that he will be from David's lineage. And we go on, we move on to verse 8. Verse 7 and 8 says, Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. He learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told him, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. Now, based off of what I've already said about King Herod, we know that this actually isn't true. We know that King Herod has no interest in actually sharing his throne or giving up his throne. So when he says, so I can go and worship him too, the three magi, they're able to see through this. And they realize that his intentions aren't to worship him, but probably to get rid of him. Because, again, King Herod only cares about King Herod. And we actually see the ruthlessness of uh, King Herod because if you fast forward a few chapters, uh, we actually see that King Herod slaughters all the uh, children two years and, uh, and under. Unfortunately, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were able to flee into Egypt before he was able to do this. Verse 9 says, After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Uh, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. So this long trip finally has payoff. They finally make it to see this newborn baby sitting with his mother, Mary. And then verse 11. Then they entered a house and saw the child was with his mother, Mary, and they bowed and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we see this perfect gift that they've given. And the thing about perfect gifts is, again, it takes time, and you have to also know the person to give a perfect gift. And we see that although, yes, they didn't know Jesus their motivation was still anchored in love. 
Their motivation was still being, wanting to be, longing to be a part of a bigger story than just themselves. That's how they were able to give these perfect gifts to a newborn king. You see, over this Advent season, we wait for the birth of Christ because Christ is our story. We long to be a part of Christ's bigger story because that allows us to be a part of something bigger than just ourselves. And so as we go into this new year, uh, like KJ said, it, you know, it, mentally we may not feel like it's 2022 yet, but it's here whether we want it to be here or not. And so what is your motivation going into 2022? And in fact, if I were to put a scale, if I were to say, are you more like King Herod or the wise men, where would you end up on that scale? At all times, right? I'm not just talking about, you know, when you dress up and come to church. I'm talking about when you're driving on the road. I'm talking about when your child upsets you. I'm talking about when a coworker makes you mad. Where are you on that scale? Are you more like King Herod? Are you more self-centered? Or are you like the three magi? And as believers, brothers and sisters, when our motivation is right, we have this beautiful gift from God. We have this wonderful ability to be a part of his bigger story. We can, in, we can invest things, we can give things like our time, our, our, our talents, and, and our treasures. But the reality is, is it requires the proper motivation. So, in this year, in the year of 2022, I want to invite you into God's beautiful story that is so much bigger than each and every one of us. Amen.